Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. The State of Israel, the modern State of Israel, was created in 1948. There have been many novels written about the events that led to the creation of the State of Israel. Perhaps the most famous of those novels is entitled Exodus by Leon Uris, published 1958, and it tells the story of Jews in the aftermath of the Holocaust and what they went through to create a state of Israel. Um, many of you may be familiar with the book or more familiar with the movie directed by Otto Preminger and starring Eve St. Marie and Paul Newman, which was released in 1960. Of course, that wasn't the only novel, fictionalized attempt to discuss the creation of the State of Israel. The famous Israeli-European author Agnon wrote a novel entitled Only Yesterday. The American author Herman Woke wrote a novel entitled um, The Glory, and Mayor Levine, who wrote the first um, play about Anne Frank's diary, wrote a book entitled The Settlers. All those books were written before the Six-Day War in 1967. I think it would be fair to say that most of those attempts at... Um, describing the creation of the state of Israel um, prior to 19, 1948. Uh, many of them focused on the battles, the battles in 1948, and the uh, military struggles prior to 1948. Um, many of the books spent a great deal of time speaking about um, the Shoah, the events in Europe which we come to have called the Holocaust. Recently, a Canadian author, Gabriella Gallagher, wrote a book entitled Eva Solomon's War, which speaks at great length about a period that is not often used as the background for a novel of the creation of the State of Israel. Um, Gabriella Gallagher is an author of three books, The Song of Ascents, um, it was the recipient of the Upper Canada Writers' Craft Award. She also wrote a novel entitled Girl Unwrapped, which received the City of Ottawa Book Award. Gabriella, as a vocation, is a freelance uh, editor and writer, and most of her clients have been in the federal government of Canada. And this novel... Um, deals with a group of characters um, coming to Israel before 1948 and a group of characters living throughout the state of Israel, both in the urban environment and the rural environment, during what's known as the Mandate Period. The Mandate Period is from the end of the First World War 
in which Britain was given by the League of Nations the mandate to rule over what was then known as Palestine, a geographic designation that first was used by the Romans in the second century of the Common Era, and which continued to be used as an administrative designation by the Ottoman Empire. But with the collapse of the Ottoman Empire at the conclusion of the First World War, the League of Nations adopted the same nomenclature to describe a piece of geography, um, the boundaries of which were set by the League of Nations and were different both from the Roman definition and the Ottoman Empire definition. And the charge to the British government was to care and administer this piece of uh, land in the Middle East until such time as it was ready for self-governance. Gabriella Gallagher is my guest this morning on Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, and so I want to welcome her this morning, um, and she and I will discuss um, her recently published novel, Eva Solomon's War. Good morning, Gabriella. Good morning, uh, Rabbi Garden. Um, Thank you very much for having me on your show. Well, it's a pleasure. So let's begin um, our chat this morning by my asking you to briefly describe um, the story that you uh, set out to tell in your novel. Yes, so Eva Solomon's War is um, about a young Jewish woman, her name's Eva, Uh, Solomon, who flees Nazi Germany in the 1930s and goes to Palestine, uh, pre-state Israel, uh, where the Jews are building their new homeland. Um, But she doesn't follow the usual pattern of other immigrants, uh, Jewish immigrants, because what happens is she falls in love with a British police constable, one of the uh, people who is uh, there to keep law and order uh, and keep, especially keep um, the peace between uh, Jews and Arabs. Um, anyway, she falls in love with this fellow and this puts her in a position of divided loyalties. Um, it earns her disapproval from her community, from her own community, her family, uh, people she cares about, and eventually it makes her the target of some Jewish extremists. And that's the story in a nutshell. Uh, the book starts in 1933. It actually starts in back in Germany when she's still a child. And it just shows a little bit about her relationship with her father, her, her mother died when she was an infant. Uh, she, uh, her father is a very uh, rigid, kind of joyless, morose, uh, orthodox Jew who uh, isn't, uh, is uh, quite an authoritarian. And um, she also has an older sister, Liesel. Uh, and Liesel um, leaves uh, Germany first and ends up going to a kibbutz. Um, so uh, so the, the story follows how eventually uh, Eva and her father go to Palestine uh, together and settle in Tel Aviv, and how she meets this guy and what happens afterwards. Great. Was there a particular event 
either in your life or historically that motivated you to write this novel? Um, well, the story is uh, loosely based on some personal family history. Uh, so I had an aunt, my mother's younger sister, who also went to Palestine in the 1930s. From and, Germany? Uh, I beg pardon? From Germany? From Germany, that's right. She came from Germany and went to Palestine in the 1930s. Um, and uh, she had a relationship with a British policeman. And she, too, had a very nasty, traumatizing encounter with some Zionist extremists. And um, I never heard this story directly from my aunt. Um, I heard it from my mother and only the bare bones and only sort of in whispers because it was a, it was a kind of a taboo subject in our family, and my mother's family in particular. Um, and uh, I don't, I never asked my mother actually why it was taboo, but I, I can think of a few reasons. Um, uh, for one thing, uh, there's the whole issue of intermarriage, which wouldn't have bothered my, my mother, but my, my mother's relatives were not very happy about that. Were your, uh, was your, this is um, an aunt from your mother's side of the family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was she um, the only one to escape from Germany in the 1930s, or did, your enti did the entirety of your mother's family escape? Um, not the whole family, but uh, my mother and her siblings and her father and stepmother did escape, but there were relatives who didn't. Um, and, and did they come to Canada, or did they go to Palestine as well? Oh, oh they, my, mother's, uh, my mother, and, uh, first, they first went to Palestine. So, um, so a lot of the relatives, some of the relatives ended up in Palestine, some of them died in the Holocaust, my mother and father eventually came to Canada. So your family has a long history with um, Palestine and the mandate period. Mm -hmm. um, and this story, as you've explained it, has a bit of um, resonance um, to your own personal family history. Did that make it easier to write or more challenging? Um. Well, uh, in some ways, easier in that I could draw. I uh, I could draw on um, family stories, and it, it on it made it. It gave me the motivation, in a sense, because this was a story that had troubled me. Knowing about this end, um, I had this. I had an emotional connection to it. It didn't just. It wasn't just. Oh, I want to write a story about something. Um, it was something that was had been brewing in my heart for a long time. Um, you know, what troubled me was, first of all, how could this happen to her? What, who were the people who did it and why and so on? And also, um, it, it troubled me because I had, uh, well, I have a, a very deep connection to Israel. Uh, and this was something that wasn't so... 
um, this was something that wasn't such a great story about Israel. So there was, there's something troubling about it, and I felt I needed to explore that and understand it. Do you, so do you have a, um, a brief reading you can share with the um, listeners that helps them understand a little bit about Eva Solomon and her dilemma? Um, yes. Uh, I've got a, a reading. I actually would like to start with a reading where she's still back in Germany. Okay, good. Um, Let's do it and, chronologically. Yeah. Uh, so uh, she's um, she's actually she's she's rem she's on the ship going to Palestine, but she's remembering the time. And uh, in your novel, how old is Eva Solomon? Okay. Well, in the she's. The first, it starts with her at 12, um, and then when she goes to Palestine, she's 17. Okay. So, um, so the scene I'm going to read from is when she's still a schoolgirl. Um, the Nazis have just come into power, um, and it, so it's the early days of that era, but it, it kind of gives a picture of how awful it would be to be a child, uh, a Jewish child, uh, under the under the Nazi regime. So I will, I will read here. Okay, so just In, a reminder to our listeners that yeah. you're listening to Gabriella Gallagher read a selection from her novel entitled Eva Solomon's War. Thank you. Uh, I should also mention, just to introduce this particular scene, that Eva is a very short girl, and she's always been very self-conscious about being shorter, smaller than other girls her age. So here, here it goes. In those hours, my seventh grade teacher, Fräulein Spitz, returned with a vengeance. I hadn't thought of her for years, but here she was, searingly vivid as a scorpion sting. She'd come to our school to replace the kind but mumbling, dull-voiced and absent-minded Frau Bauernfreund, who had taken early retirement. Fräulein Spitz was young, energetic, and attractive, a model of the new ideal with straight athletic shoulders, noble features, blonde locks, and keen blue eyes. She had a touch of film star sophistication, but also a sweet cleft in her chin that made her seem just a tiny bit vulnerable and not entirely above us. As she marched back and forth in front of the class, talking about how we were on the threshold of a great new era, the air in the room became charged with her passion. Here, at last, was a teacher who was bold and had something to say. Glancing around, I could see how the others had been instantly smitten. I was almost in love myself, except for a creeping sense of dread. Fräulein Spitz believed in innovation. She wanted to get us out of our seats. She wanted to become acquainted with her pupils. And so, after her opening lecture, she asked that the whole class rise and gather in front of the windows to form a row, tallest to shortest. She clapped her hands. Everyone rose at once in an explosion of scraping chairs. 
Not surprisingly, I was at the end of the row. Fräulein Spitz slowly walked down the line as if inspecting an honor guard and asked each girl her name and that of her father. She held an attendance register and ticked off the names as she found them on her list. This procedure took longer than the usual way of reading out the names in alphabetical order, but it allowed Fräulein Spitz to make eye contact with each one of us, to literally size us up. There were two other Jewish girls in the class, Bieta Friedman and Lily Cohn. Fräulein Spitz made check marks on her list, but then suddenly asked them both to step forward and state their nationality. In unison, both girls said, unwavering, German, the teacher's eyes widened in astonishment. Ach so! Fräulein Spitz peered carefully at Beata and Lily as if wondering if they were real or cleverly dressed up storefront dummies. But after a long moment, she moved on. Everyone who had been holding her breath in expectation exhaled. At last, the teacher stood in front of me. I opened my mouth, ready to state my name. The hint of a mocking smile played upon uh, Fräulein Spitz's lovely lips. She shook her head in disbelief. Well, I suppose this one won't be competing in the high jump. A gust of shocked titters swept up and down the row. The name I've been about to speak died in my throat. But the teacher already knew who I was. Her ice-blue eyes regarded me from their lofty position near the top of her statuesque body. Just how tall are you, Solomon? When I didn't respond, you don't know? In that moment of panic vertigo, I'm sure I didn't. Uh, I, my, my throat closed, my lungs collapsed, my breath failed me, and a roaring chaos filled my mind. Let me guess. I'd say about 140 centimeters. The mockery on her lips was now unmistakable. She called for the girl at the front of the row to fetch the wooden rule that lay on a ledge beneath the blackboard and with it pressed against my back. She confirmed she'd been close to the mark. I measured no more than 145 centimeters. Not everyone laughed, but those who did positively shrieked with delight. It was as if the esteemed teacher had released a thought that had been pressing on everyone's mind for ages and was finally being allowed to see the light of day, a it, pygmy of the mosaic persuasion. Yes. Uh, it's a beautiful piece of writing. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Eva um, takes her life and her father and her sister to Palestine, and when they arrive, um, 
her father and she um, settle in Tel Aviv, uh, not Jerusalem, and the sister uh, goes off to live in a kibbutz. Um, and the kibbutz and the issues of the kibbutz are a major part of the um, novel. Was there something particular that captivated you about the idea of a kibbutz? Um, I mean, yeah. I'm, I suppose in that case, the reason I'm asking that is I'm not sure you would know whether your long lost relative had gone to Palestine and had settled on a kibbutz, but more than likely not, since um, they wouldn't have had the same opportunity to have contact with uh, British police. Uh, well, um, um, I that's true. I'm, my my mother uh, didn't go to a kibbutz herself, but she she was started as a as a laborer, as a field laborer in Palestine. So I had a little connection of what it was like to, and my father did too. So I had some idea of what it was like to work on the land there in those years. Uh, what 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 made me want to write about the kibbutz is that it. Um, it was such an idealistic uh, project, um, and Eva's sister, Liesel, is uh, enchanted with the utopian ideas of that uh, communal life. Um, it's a socialist ideal that the, they believed to each according to his needs. You know, each person, individual, would get what they needed, but each were supposed to contribute to the group, and uh, according to their abilities, and and uh, Liesel, the character, wants uh, to measure up to those ideals, uh, but she keeps hitting up against the wall of her own physical limitations, and then she ends up she falls in love with a man who's not a socialist himself. So I guess I was interested in the conflict between ideals and reality. And um, which is a thread that goes through the book, and the um, and also the the conflict between individual freedom versus the community, or communal good, and that's a thread that runs not only through my book, but I think through through all of Jewish life uh, through the ages, perhaps, and in, particularly in, in our own age. Sure, in your book. Um the kibbutz represents this utopian uh, experiment, mm -hmm. but um, it's very rigid in its implementation of the utopian uh, experiment. Um, and there's very little room, as you portray it, and in reality, for individualism. Um, and likewise, um, Eva confronts the same thing living in the urban setting of Tel Aviv. Um, there's an expectation of how people will behave in order to uh, fit in with the community and her relationship with the um British mandate policemen challenges the community norms. Um, in the time that's available to us, I want to ask you to just describe that confrontation that you do so well in the book, and that is when Eva is confronted by members of the Stern Gang, a terrorist group that is interested in England leaving Palestine, um, 
and they feel the need to move them out through a more uh, military approach. Um, so that confrontation, what was, what did it mean to you? Um, well, uh, it's, um, these, uh, Stern gang people are, uh, they are, I guess, uh, rigidly ideal and idealists in their own way. Um, and, uh, they targeted Eva in this book because she has a relationship with a British policeman and that's giving comfort to the enemy. Um, and uh, so uh, it's not a, it, it's a little bit of a, not a kind of story that's well known that they were, that they, uh, that Jewish women who consorted with the British would, might get beat up. There were some, I think, who were even killed. Uh, um, and but the Stern Gang, they, for them, the ends justified the means, and uh, they felt um, that uh, they had to um, do this sort of thing. They also robbed banks to get uh, money to to fund them, their um, their work, uh, and they were ter they terrorized the British. They uh, they were sort of the arch uh, model of terror terrorists, I think, in, in that they laid bombs and uh, and uh, one of their worst uh, um, well, it wasn't them. It was the Irgun, another another extremist gang that um, um, blew up the King David Hotel. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway, they. Uh, for them, it was the ends that justified the means, which was, it, they felt it was the only way to get the British out. In the um, novel, um, yeah. Eva is kidnapped by the Stern gang and is threatened, um, almost as if she's a collaborator. The model uh, strikes one as the same model, of course, from World War II. In the aftermath of World War II, those in Europe who had collaborated with the Nazis were often uh, kidnapped and uh, harmed by uh, those who felt that they had collaborated, and women uh, were certainly um, victims of that. Um, I want to thank you for sharing with us uh, with the book, and um, in the minute or so that we have left, um, ask you if you'd like to let leave the listener with one final thought um, about your story. I um, well, I hope that people will uh, get from the book uh, that this was a complex era. Uh, that it's a complex era that sometimes mythologized. It was just a story about good guys and bad guys, and uh, it's um, it wasn't quite so simple. Um, there were there was a lot going on and a lot of different competing interests. Um, and this is a human story, and it's a one-woman story. Uh, and uh, sort of, uh, I hope that um, it leads to some thinking about where we are today in with uh, the very co complicated conflict that uh, exists in between Israel and Palestine, the Palestinians. And um, that things aren't always so as simple as they appear and that uh, individuals um, 
can get caught in the crossfire, um, but that the individual story is important and uh, putting yourself in the shoes of another person is important in order to understand. I want to thank you. My guest this morning has been Gabriella Gallagher, the author of Eva Solomon's War, which you can find on Amazon. Um, for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Uh, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can hear a broadcast of our program as a podcast on iTunes or on the CHRI website um, for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Um, Shalom and have a good day. Shalom and have a good day.